Welcome to the Pillars of Health podcast with resident strength coach, John Carroll. The Pillars of Health is on a quest to help you gain insight into the best ways you can manage stress, sleep, exercise, and nutrition in order to live your best life. Stay up to date with the Pillars of Health podcast by checking out our Facebook and Instagram pages, as well as CoachJohnCarroll.com. So one thing that came up during the week and something I tweeted on, which we kind of had an exchange on Twitter about this, is the uh, the progression of, of chin-ups, right? Yeah. Oh, I'm, already, I'm already laughing. <laughs> but my, uh, my original tweet was like, obviously chin-ups are a very common goal, and that's totally awesome. You can have that goal. But in order to get there, I think we need to think beyond putting huge bands on people and having chin-ups done that way because I don't think we're seeing a whole lot of progress that way. What do you think? Exactly. Exactly. I think it's more likely for people to be shot in this space <laughs> with those heavy heavy bands than actually seeing progress because because if you actually need to use those big bands, uh, there's probably some other work we need to be done that needs to be done first. Right. Um, like either you know weight loss or grip strength or something that you can accomplish elsewhere rather than having to have this awkward moment where you have the band just being like slid onto your knee or foot and then possibly having it hit you in the face and yeah. everything, everything that comes with it. Right, so, right. And like I said, yeah. it's very good to have goals regards what you want to do regard you know, in the weight room itself and chin-ups is definitely a common one to come across. We just want to make sure that it's being done at the right time in your training experience because I think a lot of times perhaps they're phased in too early for some people whereas maybe yeah. learning how to reach and learning then how to pull after that and obviously uh, weight does come into the equation as well yeah here's the cart here's the horse right make sure make sure we put them in the proper order <laughs> and there's just always a way of doing things so yeah it's just one of those things you see going on and um, sometimes people just aren't ready, which is fine. And it's all part of the, the process of training and your experience training up to that point. Because if it was easy, then everybody would just automatically start at the most difficult exercise. Right. Exactly. Yep. And I think, yeah, that like a saying of like, you know, if you, if you see, and we're very, we're kind of always like monkey see, monkey do. Right. types of things um, and if you see someone do you know a bunch of pull-ups or chin-ups like oh I need to be doing that right now and it's like no you don't need to be doing what they were doing now you might need to be doing what they were doing like five years ago right which which could have been very different so yeah it takes a while to get to where someone is maybe proficient at chin-ups or pull-ups it's not just something's like all right let me just see where I'm at and uh, you kind of take from there there is a foundation to lay yeah yeah all right, well, a uh, little icebreaker today, Alec. If you could create a national holiday, what would you call it? I don't know. I'm, hmm, there's a couple things circling around my head. Well, cause, because one, tomorrow is Monday, which is, you know, International Bench Day, <laughs> <laughs> which is all chest all day. So let's see. I would have to go with either the start of baseball season, which just should always be a national holiday, in my opinion, right. or... Or something like Festivus. Let's just go the Seinfeld route. Yeah, I think Festivus is a winner, right? <laughs> yeah, steel pole, and then a pole. what's the uh, what does the the father say? <laughs> well, for a way, there's a couple of things. That if if you find tinsel distracting, this would be a very great holiday for you. <laughs> and also, where he stands up at dinner and just talks about how, he, how much he hates people. 
Oh yeah, the airing of grievances. <laughs> Let's not forget that. <laughs> this could take a while. This could... <laughs> Depending on where you are in life. Yep. That's very true. (laughs) Awesome. So our topic today, we're talking about how much strength is enough. And uh, this is definitely coming at a time where I had this conversation with a few people. And how do we get to a point where we know maybe we have enough strength for what we're trying to accomplish? Yeah, this is, I think the basis for this article was really just, you know, topics that I think about when I'm driving somewhere or when I'm like trying to fall asleep, which sounds completely nerdy and like meatheadish, right? But but these are things that come across my mind. So just thinking about things like, you know, how much how much strength is enough. And I think I wrote there like, you know, if you can lift a piano but you can't walk up a flight of stairs, like then we can probably say like, okay, you probably have enough strength. We need right. to focus on some other qualities. But I think for a lot of other people it can be tough to know where to start. Um, because most want to whether they know it or not they want to build more muscle um a lot a lot of people also want to lose weight um and also just be more athletic and feel better um and those are the kind of like the three or four things that people want so i think it can be hard to know what to prioritize first and if someone is actually strong when to add in some other qualities and all that type of stuff so i think it's um it's a hard question to answer without having a long-term view of someone's health and, you know, what what their definition of strength is versus ours, what their definition of, you know, like being healthy is, where a lot of times it's, you know, cardiovascular health that we would think, but, right. but some people don't have that definition and, and so on. So, yeah. For someone, well, actually the majority of people we would coach who are probably not athletes and are just trying to live their best life, basically. At mm-hmm. what point are we looking to tell them, like, okay, we're sufficiently strong. Do we need to back off on that or develop some other rights regards conditioning? How do you approach that? Because it's more it's more or less like a package deal, right, when it comes to gen, gen pop. Yeah, yeah. And if someone's really, really well conditioned and super strong and, you know, in the 1% of the population – that's going to be a different story for them. But for the other 99%, I think there's, we can, we can train multiple qualities at once. So we can get stronger and we can also increase your conditioning at pretty much almost at the same time. We might have to, you know, do some different things every now and then, but I think for the most part we can, we can influence those both at the same time. So looking more at someone's cardiovascular health and seeing like, you know, where their resting heart rate is, what their heart rate recovery is, um, and then also looking at can they safely move their body weight on something like a chin-up or a pull-up like we were talking about, right. <laughs> or, or on a deadlift, or can they squat well without their knees hurting and their back hurting, and can they move their body weight and do a actual push-up that looks good, that doesn't look like every joint is trying to touch the floor before they do, um, <laughs> so stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, so you touched on yeah. cardiovascular health there, and that's definitely one of the, the major benefits from strength training and conditioning in general, and something we try to get across to the people we coach on a, on a daily basis, right? What other benefits are there of uh, strength training and, and conditioning in general? I'm going to say it's going to be a lot more of just kind of like it goes, goes into stress management, I think, um, with going into the, you know, the sympathetic parasympathetic system that we've talked about before like fight or flight and rest and digest where um if you do your conditioning 
you want to use all the energy systems you have, but if you do your conditioning well and you have a good program, it should help with stress management. And that doesn't mean that you're going as hard as you can to work out that stress. It just means that you're going to be uh, just feel better and more relaxed and you're going to be having an easier time going to sleep and staying asleep. So like, for example, my long slow days, a lot of times because it's super hot right now in North Carolina yeah. are me walking on a treadmill versus outside where I'll get, I get off of there and I just feel super relaxed. Um, and it's not like I'm going at a super high speed, um, but just trying to keep my heart rate in, you know, 120, 125 zone and like every night without fail that I do that I probably fall asleep before 10 p.m. which I need to be better out because most of the time it occurs on the couch right. <laughs> and then then my wife gets mad at me but anyway <laughs> that's a different conversation for a different day <laughs> exactly but as far as you know uh, as conditioning it's working it's working right right <laughs> and so what are the benefits for people listening like okay if I do conditioning where I'm kind of regulating my heart rate in that lower zone like what are the benefits of that type of conditioning as opposed to uh, for example the high intense uh, maybe at 20 seconds on 40 seconds off high intensity interval yeah. what's the difference between those two yeah I think it all comes down to the adaptions that we're trying to get and I think I'll uh, I think a lot of people just don't really know the differences where when we're in that lower zone, um, so I think in like more like long, slow, we're working on just making our heart bigger because we're trying to really get a maximal pump of blood into our heart with each beat. So it's essentially stretching our heart and just creating a more efficient heart for our body so that in turn will create, you know, just a better rest or a lower resting heart rate for us um, and just a more efficient heart. So that's what we want when we're in that bigger, not bigger, when we're in that um, higher zone, then we're going to get more of that, you know, as almost like we're working on the intensity of that beat. So then we start getting a thickening of one of our, our arterial walls. The difference is when you think about it, if you think of it, I just like to think about it as like a, like a roll of paper towels or toilet paper or something. If you could think about like just making that roll bigger versus uh, making that roll smaller, what do you think is going to be better for our long-term health? Obviously, if we're making it bigger. And it's not necessarily that simple, but and you want to use both, but it's just a, one way to think about it because high intensity is very popular. And there's a lot of studies that say, you know, it's better, but a lot of those studies, they also pe people also did a lot of long, slow conditioning where they're getting both, they're getting the benefits of both. But that's just not as well publicized or sexy as the media would have you believe. Very so, true, very true. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't make for a great article if you're like, hey, get on a bike for 40 minutes and you'll feel great. Exactly. <laughs> and work exactly. at a low level of a heart rate. You're like, okay. <laughs> yep, yep, exactly. Yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, if you look at, like, click just like the percentage of clicks that articles would get i'm pretty sure one would just absolutely dwarf the other oh yeah so yeah yeah now you mentioned a couple of things earlier in relation to like markers for optimal health right when and you just kind of discussed the heart and, what, and the adaptation we're trying to gain from that low level conditioning talk a little bit about resting heart rate where we ideally want to have people in range wise um for for better health yeah the so General rule of thumb, if you're not an athlete, you're just trying to be healthy, get strong, look better, et cetera. 
first rule of thumb is if you can get your if your resting heart rate is below 60, that's going to be uh, very good. So as long as you're below 60, so if you think about it in this term, if it doesn't mean that at any point in the day that your heart rate is is below 60. It just more means that when you wake up in the morning and your heart rate's below 60, things are going well. If you can get it below 55, you know that's going to be even better. And the lower you can kind of get it towards 50, that I mean, you're just going to be better off for it. Um, on the other hand, if you're above 60 and you're around 70, and I've had people in the past that are like this, and they just tell me they run high, and I'm like, well, that's yes and no. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so if you're around, if you're above 60, you're going to want to make sure you're getting at least some long, slow conditioning in. Because it's just it's just gonna make you it's gonna make you healthier, but you're also gonna feel a lot better. Where your fight or flight system is just really turned up more. Um, if you just think about those like dual uh, faucet heads, where instead of hot water, cold water, we have fight or flight and rest and digest. That that uh, fight or flight is just turned up a lot more. We want to turn that down and then turn on that rest and digest a little more. So that's just gonna make sure. Like I said, you're feeling better, and that's just kind of a, a guide to see where you are. So around 60 beats per minute, it's not a you know a hard rule of thumb, but the closer you are to 50, even better. If you're above 60, let's just try to get towards 60. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a generally good rule, and that's that's kind of the same idea I get across to people I coach. Uh, you mentioned fight or flight system there and that sympathetic kind of on all the time type of person. Uh, well, highly benefit from this type of conditioning, right? Because it's going to give them an ability to recover, which is the forgotten rule of thumb when it comes to getting to your goals because everything's been programmed to go high intensity, right? Exactly, exactly. And people think, and I think we've touched on this before, but people don't think about recovery. They think of just working hard and then like maybe having like a protein shake and be like, oh, it's my recovery. Or, <laughs> yeah. So, but, uh, but yeah, it's just going to allow you to re recover. Um, and you're just going to feel better the next time you're in the gym. Uh, a lot of times what will happen is people go super hard and tense in their workouts and then they wonder why, you know, they're revved up all night and they can't fall asleep or they can't stay asleep. Well, that's why, because your fight or flight system is super on. Um, and I, and like I said earlier, like when I do my long slow and I fall asleep at like before 10 p.m., I know on heavy uh, deadlift days, I'm, I wouldn't say I'm wired, but it's like 11 o'clock and I'm like, all right, I should probably go to bed now um, <laughs> because I'm just not as tired because my, uh, my nervous system is just a lot more on. So it's just, you just, again, it's not that one's worse than the other. We just want to have a balance. And for a lot of people, they're just more, they're more shifted in one way, which we need to just make them um, a little bit more rest and digest, get a little bit more of that long, slow, and just to get, just to get people more relaxed. And then you can get strong and, and, and so on. So, yeah. yeah. Uh, the next one that kind of crept in there was the heart rate recovery term, right? So heart rate recovery definitely refers to the conditioning aspect. And uh, how does it play a role when it comes to, kind of seeing where people are at recovery wise. Yep. And John, you can correct me on this. I think for good markers for heart rate recovery, and this is this is really when you're doing something like a like a test, but I the if a really good heart rate recovery would be um, you know, forty beats a, forty beats in a minute right. um, or more. So if, to put that in real terms, if you were at let's say like one seventy five when you finish like a hard, intense conditioning effort, 
within a minute if you're down at 135 you're gonna be in it's gonna be pretty good uh around like medium is gonna be about i think around like 25 beats a minute that you're recovering so you know if you're at 175 then it's in a minute you're in 150 and then if it's you know you don't really have great heart rate recovery it's going to be probably 20 and less and, and less yeah. so if you're not really recovering after a minute it just shows that probably shift some priorities around your training because you know anyone can get their heart rate up but it's the game is how fast can you recover because that's going to tell us a story about how how well you're conditioned and how well your system can recover from stress yeah so that's uh that leads us really uh into the next point about testing your conditioning and we do have a podcast coming up where i'll, I'll be going over like how to test your conditioning and we talk about the cooper test stuff like that uh so if someone did a, a cooper test which is you know uh 12 minutes some form of uh aerobic activity so it could be on a bike it could be running uh and we a lot of times we'll do a modified cooper for someone we train so it's just a six minute version so as soon as they finish that six minute cooper test they hop off the bike or stop running, whatever it is. And we're kind of monitoring, okay, what was their heart rate when they finished the test? And 60 seconds later, what is their heart rate now? And we just kind of subtract the two and that's your, that's your heart rate recovery. Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> I always forget how much those tests kind of suck too. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever I, I'm always like, all right, I'll, I'll do it today. Blah, blah, blah. And then during it, I'm like, wait, I, why do I always forget that this is not enjoyable? Why do I keep doing this? <laughs> <laughs> but it gives me it gives me a good glimpse as to see like where things are and not that you should be doing it every time but like you know every you know three to six months or something like that yeah and you can probably speak more to it but yeah yeah that's a that's a pretty good frequency i did come across a program conditioning program i was uh doing some some reading the other day and it was test your conditioning every month i was like no way am i testing my conditioning every month <laughs> so that's that's far too high every three months is good enough for me so <laughs> yeah oh exactly you, you wouldn't test a deadlift every month right uh, right so yeah yeah uh kind of same deal there but in relation to the topic today we're talking about when people have certain level of strength how do we know that's enough is it is that what they need to continue focusing on and this test right here so for example if someone's been training for a while and they've built a pretty good base level of strength how about we look at the conditioning side of things if it's kind of given us signs in relation to heart rate recovery that it's less than 20 okay maybe we can you know benefit from some aerobic level activity then we should probably work that in and that'll generally speaking help improve their recovery when it comes to the strength side of things as well yeah yeah and i think that's the forgotten part is just how how much conditioning can really help someone in strength training too and i think i didn't necessarily make that connection uh because i'm stubborn for <laughs> for a while and now i can really speak to it where i just finished uh the fighter pull-up plan which was just ridiculous amounts of pull-ups right yeah. um, and and the whole guidance on there is like after you do a set you know rest as long as you need i remember years ago when i would deadlift and i would you know, after 10 minutes, I'd be like, all right, I guess I should do my next set now. Where now I felt a lot more recovered and I felt like I could do more. So I think it just, it just is a forgotten component with a lot of people where they just think of conditioning as hurting their gains. And instead it's probably going to help a lot. And we're a lot more resilient than I think we give us a, ourselves credit for. So, yeah, yeah. cool. And then last of all, the heart rate variability marker, this is one, not a whole lot of people have access to because you do need some sort of device, basically a heart rate strap, and you can kind of get an app to go along with that. But there's a couple out there. 
Uh, just briefly describe what heart rate variability measures and what it can tell us. Yep, so the heart rate variability is the variability between your heartbeats. So I know that may sound a little funky because we all think our heart beats like a metronome, but it doesn't. And it really kind of illustrates the the differences of the sympathetic versus the parasympathetic system. So fight or flight and rest and digest. So the amount of time that your heart beats in between each beat is going to give us, if there's a high variability, it really shows a good balance between um, really being that in that rest and digest so that your heart's only really beating when it needs to beat. If we're a lot more stressed, it's going to be a lot more like a metronome because you're just going to be on. Uh, so it just gives a good glimpse into how well you're recovering, how well you or how suited you are to train hard that particular day. And as far as as far as kind of using it, I know I use it for for a long time. Um, and I've just then I just got out of the habit and I haven't gotten back into it, right. <laughs> but I used it for a while to really um, tell me like, you know, is this going to be a good day to really push, push deadlifts, push my conditioning, or is this a day where maybe I'll be good by backing off just a little bit. It doesn't mean that you have to scrap your, what your plan that day, but just think about just maybe a different intensity. Right. So, um, and it does a pretty good job where I think the lowest readings I ever had on it was actually after a cross country flight. Um, <laughs> and I, th- I think like going to bed, uh, late East coast time and then getting, you know, a few hours of sleep. I think that was probably the worst reading I ever had and stuff like that. So without even thinking about it, I remember strapping it on and being like, oh, well, actually, that makes a lot of sense. I traveled, and I didn't sleep as as much as I normally would. And I think a lot of times people also just, they'll either get sick or start feeling a cold come on, and they'll see either a spike or a drop, which kind of indicates that things are happening. So um, it's a good kind of objective way to get some data. Um, But as with everything, you know, you got to be careful of, the times times you take it, you just got to be consistent with it, and that's going to be the better job of telling you telling you the information. Yeah, generally speaking, if someone's looking to measure their resting heart rate, it's best to be laying down, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I think, and I forget the exact numbers, but I think it's like if you're sitting up, your heart rate's going to raise like five or ten. If you're standing, it's probably going to raise another like five or ten beats per minute. So um, I forgot the exact, what the exact ones are, but it's, it's, it's something like that. So laying down is going to be the best. Yeah. I mentioned this to Joel on, on the podcast where he was on and I was like, I was so thankful for the finger sensor because trying to wrap that heart rate strap around at 5 a.m. <laughs> oh, I feel you, man. And my wife's oh, like, yeah. give me the debts there. So yeah. Yep. Oh, I, I, yeah. Oh, same thing. It's like, I would, I'd be, I'd like, strap that on and then like lay back down and Lindsay's like a heavy enough sleeper where she wouldn't even, she wouldn't even wake up half right. the time. <laughs> but then there was other times where I wouldn't put it on mute and it would ding and wake her up and then she would be so happy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, overall, what is your advice just to sum up the topic today? If someone's looking at, okay, how do I know I have enough strength? Uh, maybe I need to test out my conditioning here or what? Basically have a nice balance. Um, what would you say when it comes to programming accordingly f- for optimal health? Yeah, just look, you know, just look at things long, look at things long term. You know, most of us, we're going to have certain goals, but I think the overarching goal is really just to live as long as we possibly can. Yes. So, so thinking about it in terms like that and just seeing where your strength is, where your conditioning is. So 
Um, you know, if if you're let's say if you can already deadlift your body weight and you're doing push-ups and chin-ups and etc., but you're lacking because your heart rate is you know around 70 beats, our resting heart rate's around 70 beats a minute. Um, then obviously we need to focus on conditioning. Let's say vice versa, you're around you know like 50 beats a minute resting heart rate, but your strength isn't there. Then just prioritize that. And if neither of them are in the desired range, then you can probably do a little bit of both. Just think about you know having one day for strength, one day for conditioning, and just kind of breaking it up. Because if you're, except for people that are really highly trained, you can get multiple qualities at once. Um, but just just to, that can tell you where what basket to put your eggs in. Yeah, yeah. Like that. so that's good. I like that. What, yeah. Which basket put the eggs in? Which bucket to fill? Whatever analogy you want there. Yeah, <laughs> so many analogies. <laughs> All right, man. Thanks so much for contributing today. Yeah, sounds good, John. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on, man. Of course, of course, guys listening home, we appreciate it, and we'll catch you next time on Pillars of Health.